0: One thinks of the Middle Ages, many conjure visions of King Arthur, and handsome, chivalrous knights, chastened maidens, Beowulf, and lots of war. These figures have been depicted countless times over the years, but there's one story that stands out as odd, so strange, that it makes one wonder if it may, in fact, be true. The story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin can be dated back to around the year 1300. During this time, a stained glass window was erected in a church in Hamelin, depicting the bizarre tale. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. morning air felt cool on my skin, and the smell of a new blossom breezed by me. A tinge of excitement stirred within me. My heart skipped in my chest, prompting my legs to stir and stretch out on the bed. I hurried to dress, making time to braid my hair. My fingers worked my golden strands into shape. Sarah, my mother called from downstairs. Coming! Coming! I yelled while I paused to glance out of the window at the river and the mountain in the distance. Nerves tickled my stomach, but I swallowed and recommitted to what would occur only hours later. The last stare creaked as I stepped into the kitchen. Mother's tired eyes darted in my direction. The lines between her brows were deep and ran toward her temple, making her look a decade older than she was. There was a sadness in her gaze that broke my heart a little. I could not end up like her. I would not. Your father is already in town. It seems the rats are back. More than ever, she'd said. I nodded. Peter had said this would happen. The town had betrayed him. And for that, they would pay. The rodents were only the beginning. As mayor, my father would have to bear the brunt of this soon-to-be tragedy, this consequence that stripped the town of its tomorrows. I wrapped my arms around my mother. We were not a family who often shared an embrace, but I felt compelled to give her one last hug before saying goodbye. Well, "'What's gotten into you?' she'd said with a huff of frustration. Nothing. I'll see you later, I told her, and headed out the door. I refused to look back as I walked toward the village, for fear I'd turn into a pillar of salt and crumble. Saying goodbye to Hamlin would be almost as difficult as leaving my family. But everyone here had committed a grave injustice. They'd failed a pivotal test, and now they had to pay. I couldn't possibly stay here with these people. The innocent must flee from the wicked. That's the only way to escape their hellish consequence. I don't want to suffer for what they've done. Before I reached my father's office, I saw the piper. He wasn't wearing the multicolored coat from before. Instead, he wore a blouse and trousers that blended with the mountain behind him and a blood-red hat. I waved, but he didn't wave back. Instead, he quickly closed the distance between us and wrapped his arms around me. I've missed you, he said, leaning toward my ear and whispering. And I you. Are you ready, he asked, but he didn't wait for an answer. He pulled the magical pipe from his coat pocket and began to play. The tune was softer more somber and melodic than before. It had a hint of sleepiness, like a lullaby. My eyes grew heavy hearing it. Within moments, the first few children appeared by our sides. Then more, and more. Within a span of a half an hour, all the town's children had gathered on the street, their eyes fixated on the piper. Peter, and his eerie lullaby. He glanced at me and then headed toward the mountain. Again, refusing to look back, I clasped my hands together in front of me as if I were praying. I don't know. Maybe I was. I can't really remember now. And we walked. And walked. Deep into the mountain and into the deep depths of a cave. All the while, Peter played, and we followed. Dozens and dozens of us stepped blindly into the cave where time stood still like a dream until suddenly we saw light again and we were standing somewhere we'd never seen before. We're home, my love, Peter said, tucking his pipe into his coat and smiling at the children. We'll be the happiest of families here. We had turned a page toward our futures, and whoever we were in our past fell away like a distant memory. Even now, speaking to you, I can't be sure if any of it ever happened. According to the account by the Brothers Grimm. The lost children of Hamlin's story, and that of the Pied Piper, went something like this. In 1284, Hamlin was an important place for trade, nestled beside the Wesser River. Hamlin was home to lots of commerce, and the city thrived. Everything was going well until the city began to have an infestation of rats. The small, destructive creatures ravaged the town, Until one day, a mysterious piper emerged with a promise to lure the rats into the river with a song. This would cost the citizens a certain sum of money, of course. They came to an agreement and the deal was made. As soon as the piper began to play, rats squirmed from their dens and surrounded the piper. When he believed all the rats had surrounded him, he walked into the river still playing his song, and the rats followed, drowning each and every one of them. Now that the Pied Piper had kept his deal and end of the bargain, he looked to the citizens to pay up, but they regretted having agreed to spend so much. They made excuse after excuse, trying to wiggle their way out of paying the Piper his share. And the Piper left, bitter and angry. He wouldn't be gone for long, though. He returned to the city on June 26th, St. John's and St. Paul's Day. He was dressed in a hunter's costume with a blood-red hat. He sounded his fife. But this time, it wasn't the rats that flocked toward him. It was the children of the village. As if the children weren't enough, even the mayor's grown daughter fell into the piper's trance. He led them all into a cave in the mountain, where they disappeared forever. A total of one hundred and thirty were gone. Two returned, but one was blind and the other mute. So the fate and destination of the children were sealed. Another one never made it, because he wasn't quick enough to catch up to the piper. The mountain where they disappeared is called Poppenburg. Two stone monuments were erected there. Some believe that the children went into the cave and came out in Transylvania. The citizens of Hamlin recorded this event and began dating their proclamation by the years it'd been since they lost their children. The following was inscribed on the town hall some 272 years after the event. In the year of 1284, after the birth of Christ, from Hamlin were led away 130 children born at this place, led away by a piper into a mountain. A coin was also minted to memorialize the children of Hamlin. This was a recount of what the Grimm's first published in 1816. Remembering that the Brothers Grimm did not record the fairy tales as we know them for their story value alone, rather for their contribution to history, wise historians wouldn't quickly dismiss the tale as fiction. And we fabled followers all know by now that truth is stranger than fiction, right? So what really did happen. Remember the church glass that I spoke of in the introduction? Several witness accounts remain of people who'd seen the stained glass in the 14th and 17th centuries. The church was torn down in 1660, though. Based on the witness accounts, a modern glass has been remade by historian Hans Doberton. The glass was said to have been originally made to memorialize the tragic tale of the lost children of Hamlin, which lends some credence to it being true. Also, in 1384, the Hamlin Chronicle reported when a century had passed since the children had left town, further credence to the tale having been true. As with most fairy tales, there are roots of truth in the story. Some scholars believe that sickness or disease could have been the cause of the children's deaths, or perhaps it was another case of the dancing plague, which had spread through Europe during the same time, that had taken them. Others claim the children could have drowned in the river or been killed in a landslide. Still, others believe that the children had migrated north to settle into other areas to further develop the land many were lured into working the land and populating sparser regions during that time. The Lundberg Manuscript, dated 1440-1450, to 1450, gives an early German account of the event. Inscribed on a house, called the Ratcatcher's House, or the Pied Piper House, it reads, A.D. 1284, on the 26th of June, the day of St. John and St. Paul, 130 children born in Hamlin, were led out of town by a piper wearing multicolored clothes. After passing the cavalry near the Koppenberg, they disappeared forever. This may be the earliest surviving record of the tale. Scholars have heavily researched the story, and one major inconsistency has emerged. It wasn't until 1559 that rats were included in the tale. Before then, they were not a part of the story. This addition gave the story a sort of bubonic plague twist. Despite this inconsistency, there is a clear and solid moral. I know, I know. Modern readers don't like a moral in the story. Morals give stories purpose, though. So here we go. The moral of the story is that you reap what you sow. A solid one that's withstood the test of time for sure. You see, the citizens of Hamelin had wronged the Piper and paid a heavy price for that offense. Readers are to walk away committing never to break a deal or promise. If so, we should expect horrible consequences. If you visit Hamelin today, you just may run into the Pied Piper himself dressed in his multicolored coat and red hat. Tour guides dressed as the Pied Piper will gladly show you around and explore the legend that has solidified Hamlin's place in history and lore. Much can be said about the mysterious Pied Piper. Was he a fictitious character invented to help the people of Hamlin deal with the natural deaths of so many of their children? The Pied Piper theory suggests this. Children being taken is symbolic of innocence lost. What robbed Hamlin of its innocence? The Piper or the intentional breaking of a deal? Who's truly to blame for the children's disappearance? Pied Piper has been portrayed as a man of mystery, sorcery, and perhaps even one who wields dark magic. Either way, he is truly a figure of death. The wicked tale of the Pied Piper and the lost children of Hamlin, whether it be true or fictitious, will forever serve as a reminder for us to carry out what we say we'll do and never make a promise we don't intend to keep. After all, we must always pay the piper. Many thanks to Katie Coffrin from the How to Be a Minimalist podcast for suggesting this topic. If you're interested in living more simply and reducing your stress level, I highly recommend Katie's podcast, How to Be a Minimalist. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Fabled is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod Fabled is an independent podcast that relies on the generosity of its listeners and readers for financial support. Becoming a patron... For as little as $5 per month, we'll give you access to a new monthly podcast called Literary Monsters, where I do a deep dive into the most terrifying monsters in literature, how they made their marks on pop culture, and their chilling messages. The first one will be released next week, and it'll be on Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat. I'm super excited about this series. I really think you'll love it. If you'd like to support the show, but don't want to add a monthly charge, you can always leave a little tip through Venmo or PayPal. The links are in the show notes as well. On a personal note, I want to thank you for listening these past three years. December 18th marked three years of the podcast. I can hardly believe it's been that long. It's been a wonderful journey, and I'm beyond excited for what 2022 has in store for Fabled and our listeners.